Hi, I'm Larry Hama, and you're listening to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Yo, Joe. Joe, the Real American Headcast, is the code name for Aaron's daring, highly trained headcast. Its purpose? To podcast about G.I. Joe, Fighting Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. Welcome back to another episode of G.I. Joe, Royal American Headcast, episode 23. This month we're going to look at issue 23 and the 10th episode of the cartoon. So first up, I'm going to mix things up a little bit. Tonight I'm going to introduce first, Jared Albrick, the yard cell drawer guy. That is a prescription for danger. And his, <laughs> his code name is Death Probe. It's Yard Sale Artist. I'm working on a brand here, man. Read the file card. Read the file card. I, I, I tried reading. I'm having a problem reading tonight. I'm getting old. Uh, also joining us, as usual, we have Mr. Pat Sampson, and his code name is Christatos. Hello there. So glad to be back on. I really enjoyed uh, talking about issue 21 last time. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Well, when are we doing 22? We are doing 22 in three months. Oh, okay. Also oh, joining sure. us, also joining us once again is Mr. Brad Abraham, and his code name is Jared Albrecht, version 2.0. Mommy and Daddy are making a better version of you. Although I prefer to be called Sexy Jared. I'm sexy and I know it. I will update my file cards with that. Sexy Jared. I think there's a picture with that file card, too. I don't know why, but I'm really turned on by this. (laughs) (laughs) 
And this time it's a little, little smaller, a little more intimate group than we've been having here recently. Uh, but this time we're here to talk about issue 23 of the comic book. That's what we're doing, the comic book. Um, before we go any further, I just want to say thank you guys for coming back, and thank you very much for helping me out on the episodes. It's always a pleasure talking to you guys. Well, I enjoy being here, and thank yeah. you for having. Well, thank you for having me back on. Oh. I enjoy it. Uh, talking about GI Joe, one of my, my, I would say this is my all-time favorite series. Right on. And like I, I told Jared offline, that I, I do have Mr. Uh, Schaefer Haynes standing in the wings as backup, just in case he gets too uppy with me. I can. Pulling Jonathan oh, that, that makes total sense because his notes are exactly the same as mine, so that's that's quite all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways, though, I, I guess enough harassing Jared. Let's go ahead and get off to the actual title. Uh, we're going to look at first G.I. Joe, a real American hero number 23. This was covered in May of 1984. To buy it off the stand, well, it was on sale February the 7th of 1984. The cover price was 60 cents, edited by Dennis O'Neill. The title of this issue is called Cobra Commander, Captured at Last. Way to bury the lead. Uh, writer was Larry Hama. Pencil, Mike Vosberg. Inker, John Diagnosto. Also inked by John Taralagano. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. It's probably wrong. Uh, lettered was Rick, Rick L. Parker. Colorist, George Russos. And this was reprinted in the G.I. Joe Comics Magazine number 9. And G.I. Joe Volume 3 Trade Paperback. And the cover on this was Michael Golden. The synopsis, several Joes, consisting of Snowjob, Duke, Roadblock, Clutch, and Cover, cover Girl, are surveilling Major Blood and the Baroness in Switzerland, waiting for them to lead the Joes to Cover Commander. Major Blood calls the Commander and demands that he meets him with a briefcase full of cash. Otherwise, Destro may find out about what the Commander did. As Cover Commander heads to Italy, the Baroness and her new face and costume is revealed. The next day in Lucca, Italy, the Joes are awaiting co the commander's arrival. They think they may have found their man when they realize it's not actually co Cobra Commander, but someone dressed up as someone called the Masked Marauder. It appears that Lucca is a site of an annual, annual international fantasy convention, which is why Blood chose it. Clutch and Covergirl are following Blood and Baroness. They are spotted and the Cobras attempt to take them out. Blood and Baroness arrive where the commander is, and leave some guards to deal with the Joes. They meet up with a co-commander and some Cobras. When the commander begins to hand the money over, Storm Shadow leaps out, takes out Blood's men, and holds a staff on Blood. The Baroness pulls her gun on the commander, leaving us with a Mexican standoff. Roadblock and Duke then rush in. While Storm Shadow and Blood fight the Joes, Baroness and the Cobra commander escape. Storm Shadow and Blood escape in a float a little bit later on. We then cut back inside to find that Storm Shadow cut the chandelier down on Roadblock. We then begin a chase scene, which I'm sure we'll get to in the comments. The Joes end up stopping Cobra, Commander, and the Baroness. Baroness jumps onto the foot with blood and Storm Shadow, leaving Cobra Commander captured by the Joes. Of course, to be continued. And before we begin our, our commentary on this, I, I may be stepping on Jared's toes with information, but that's what I'm here for. <laughs> Let's call Paul and Schaefer Haynes. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious. I, I first looked up the uh, the Mass Marauder. I couldn't find anything on that individual character, but apparently uh, there is a town called Luca that does host an annual Luca Summer Festival. Summer Festival. The 2006 edition featured live performances by Eric Clapton, Placebo, Massive Attack, Roger Waters, Tracy Chapman, and Santana, 
at the Piazza Napoleon, and it started there in 1998. Uh, Luca oh. also hosts the annual Luca Comics and Games Festival, Europe's largest festival for comics, movies, games, and related subjects. And that was from 1966 until 1992 when it moved somewhere else. The Salon International de Comics, which is International Congress of Comics, was launched by a Franco-Italian partnership consisting of the Italians Ronaldo Tarani and Romo Calisi, and Frenchman Claude, oh, let me try it, uh, forming the International Congress of Cartoonists and Animators in 1965 in Bulgaria. In 66, it moved to a small piazza, piazza in the center of Lucca and grew in size and importance over the years. Uh, funding kept reducing the carnival, uh, starting every two years beginning in 1977. In the 80s, the festival was moved to a sports center outside the city walls, where it remained in 19, until 1992, when it was moved to another city. Uh, funding issues also forced the cancellation of the 1988 festival that I mentioned earlier. Uh, after the Salon International de Comics ended in Lucca, city leaders launched a new convention, something called Lucca Comics, that was the, reprised the old one. In 1996, it changed its name to Luca Comics and Games, and the festival attracted 50,000 attendees in 2002. So just a minute, I got curious, was this an actual thing? So I looked yeah. it up, and actually, this is an actual festival they have. I couldn't find anyone, anyone called the Mass Marauder that looked just like Cobra Commander, but yeah, everything else was pretty factual. It's interesting. So I thought that was very interesting. So what's uh, yeah. See, not only do I read comics, I also look up information on the internet. Uh, and so, looking up information on the internet is half the battle. Huge. <laughs> uh, so, let's go and get some thoughts on this. First, let's start the cover. I'll go and describe it, and then we'll get people's thoughts on it. The cover shows, and again, this is issue 23, Pat. Uh, the issue sh- okay. right. <laughs> cover shows uh, Cobra Commander being held in chains. He's got his hood on. Uh, behind him, we have uh, Roadblock looking pretty serious off to the side. And on the other side of him, I believe that would be Clutch uh, holding a, a gun of some sort. An Uzi, maybe? I'm not quite sure. Good on yes. guns. It's an Uzi. You crack. It looks like, a, like some snake eyes would have. Uh, holding on Cobra Commander's head. Uh, so let's get some thoughts on this. Um, let's get some art perspective first. Oh man, Jonathan's not here. Jared, you son of a Jared. What are your thoughts on this cover? Uh, Michael Golden, man, he's a classic artist. Uh, ran into him, and so did Pat, whether he knows it or not. Recently at Heroes Con, Mr. Michael Golden was there. Oh, okay. Yeah. The cover looks really good from a military gear point of view. He's got the gear down just tremendously well. I don't remember if this was I don't remember when the NOM was coming out, if the NOM had come out yet when this book came out I don't know if it had or not But Michael Golden did a fair amount of work on the NOM so I know he knows his military equipment and I would say that is the shining thing on this cover is the military equipment it's very well done The as far as the dynamic of it it's kind of a very still shot so there's not a lot of action going on but still, it's great Michael Golden work. I do have a question, though. Yes. Uh, how did you read this one, Aaron? Are you going digital? Are you going out of the box? or? I have a scan. Scan? Anybody got the original? Brad or, or Pat? Anybody got the original? 
I think it's a scan of the original, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, that? I, I don't have it in front of me right now, no. But I can. That, you have failed this podcast. Yeah. You have failed this city. Is that Ann? Uh, well, anyway, the question is, I have it, as usual, I always do the show with my digest, because that's my favorite way to read these. On my cover, there's a red spot for the Cobra symbol, but there's no detail in it. It's just a red blob. Is there detail on your cover? On his on his uh, mask? Right on his forehead, yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's on the it's cover. It's red and white. Yeah, it's, it's the Cobra insignia. Okay, yeah. it's, it's the shape of the Cobra insignia, but it's just red. And I thought, that's really weird. But it must be how they reprinted it on my cover for the Digest. But anyway, uh, that's just sort of an interesting tidbit. The Digest oh, cover really? looks weird. Maybe because of the smaller size? I don't know. They did. They, it, I mean, he's still fairly large on, on the cover. I don't know why the white, uh, apparently it's white, uh, didn't mm-hmm. translate over. But again, aside from that, artistically speaking, it's a great cover, good poses, great military gear. Again, just not terribly dynamic, although it is interesting because, you know, oh, they got Cobra Commander. But I've talked enough. I want to know what my buddy Pat has to say. Well, um, I'm kind of... Actually, let's go to Brad. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we can go to Brad. Go ahead, Brad. Oh, no, no. Brad, go. No, go ahead, Brad. Oh, that was feelings are hurt. Damn it. (laughs) Uh, uh, hold on a second. I got to call Jonathan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go ahead, Brad. I'm sorry. Uh, I I really like this cover. Um, it's it's Jared's right that it's not the most dynamic cover, but I think what really sets it apart is it's a, a, it's a painted cover, which back in '84 was not terribly common. Although it was around that period that you started seeing more covers done in this style. I know that. In the case of Joe, that uh, they did this again on the covers for issues 29 and 36. And oh, I hate to, I'm sorry to jump in, but that mine doesn't look painted at all. I no? think they did they did some kind of recolor. Okay, they I did, do no. now that you mention it, I do remember it in the painted version. So that is super cool. But yeah. on the digest, it does not look it at all. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you shouldn't yeah. berate people that don't have. I believe Brad has the floor. I do have the floor and i do have this this issue uh i remember seeing this issue on the on the newsstands and it really leapt out at you back back in the day you know compared to all the other more traditionally drawn and inked and colored covers out there and you know you can it it just was a real attention grabber back in 84 and i think it kind of showed how much gi joe was becoming a real multimedia phenomenon by this point you know, Marvel was you know getting a little bit more behind it. It was it was becoming a, a big seller or a much bigger seller than it had been, and it was attracting this new level of interest. And you know, for me, 1984 is the year, all caps, when GI <laughs> Joe really clicked. I think it, it it shook off those remnants of you know of, of, of what it was, and it was kind of becoming its own thing. Uh, the toy line was at its best, and I think the comic was at its best, and. As I said last podcast, and probably the one before that, and the one before that, we're heading into what I think is the best run the series ever had, and this cover really exemplifies that. And the the that is Michael Golden uh, again with what Jerry said about really getting those military details 
correct. I, I too have met Michael Golden. He signed the cover of my copy of the Nom number one, which I think came out in '86 or early. I think 86. you're right. I want to say it was '86 or '87. Yeah, it, it was definitely. It was definitely after. Uh, it came out in December of '86. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I really, I really like this cover. It's not my favorite cover, uh, but it, it, it looks, it looks very pretty. For, a, for a, a, a comic book about a military. And Pat, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I'm going to, with this cover, I, this is one of the covers that I really like a lot. I think it's an iconic cover when I think of the G.I. Joe, this series. It's one of them that maybe it's just because of me that I think that it is an iconic one. Um, looking at it, the detail that is done is very well done. It does have that painted look to it. Uh, the coloring is really good as well too uh, i think they have there's not a color that to me doesn't seem to be off as well i like the orange the orange red kind of a background as well too that helps make the three characters stand out more Very much uh, so. yeah um this particular i think this particular cover really stands out to me because at this time, this is when I started to really collect G.I. Joe. So, come, you know, I had 21. I had gotten in, a, not to go back to 21, but I had 21 <laughs> back. I uh, you know, you know, got that at the, the local PDQ convenience store. And then I'm like, wow, I'm, you know, really enjoying this one. And I had collected some issues or had gotten some other G.I. Joes, you know, throughout, like issue number one I had. Um, you know, in some of the one through 20, I would get sporadically here and there. But 23 is the one that really stands out to me as, as going, Hey, I can really start, you know, collecting these going to, I think I would now go to like the Walden books to make sure I was there every month when it came out to pick it up. And when I would do my read through, I would have a solid run from 23 on. So I could just keep, you know, reading that through. And like Brad said, I, this is a really good time for Joe right now. Mm-hmm. The, the upcoming 23 to 50, there's some good, there's some bad. Uh, but I think it gets right now is, is a great time for this. And this issue just stands out so iconically to me. Uh, this cover does. And and the story. I'm, well, I can get to that later on. <laughs> And before I get my thoughts on this, just to follow up on uh, Jared, I was searching Wikipedia where you guys are talking, and yeah, NAM came out in December of 1986, but apparently, according to Wikipedia, uh, Larry, Larry Hama, name may sound familiar to us, contacted fellow veteran Doug uh, Murray in 1984 about doing a Vietnam War series for his Black White magazine called Savage Tales. Apparently, Hama teamed Murray up with Michael Golden, and together they created something called The Fifth of the First, which was overseed. In 1986, Marvel Comics editor Jim Shooter approached Tom with a mock-up of a comic book cover that was, as Helmut remembers, a color copy of the artwork from a G.I. Joe cover, one that showed an infantryman in camo face painting peering through a dense jungle foliage, a logo pasted over the art that read the NAM. Shooter told Hama to come up with a book to go along with the cover and to produce it. Hama suggested that Murray put together a proposal for the regular comic book about Vietnam War. So so there was some tie-ins to this. Maybe not this particular cover, but yeah, Larry Hama was involved a little bit with the Nam. So. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of the Nam. I have almost a full run. Yeah, me too. Nice. I knew I liked Brad. Yeah. 
That's sexy bread to you. That's sexy that, that bread. Sexy that's right. Bread too. That's right. I'm I'm over here like garbage and bread. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Sexy garbage. Uh, for my thoughts, I mean, I can't really say much more than you guys have said. I I really like this cover because he has got Cobra Commander in his hood. I really love this design. This is a great outfit. I think. I love like half of the orange and reds in the background. Look at the setting sun behind him. Kind of sets the characters off and makes a little. It gives like it's not dynamic, but it gives it a it gives it a, a nice look to it. Uh, the characters are yeah very realistic looking. The the weapons are authentic looking. Uh, yeah, I, there's nothing I can say bad about this cover. Moving back over to Jared, how many Joe Colas out of five would you give this? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to defer my time to the distinguished gentleman from Wisconsin and and come back to me because what I want to do is get a good look at this real cover online. Not the digest cover. So I'm going to pull that up to get my final Joe Coles, and, and let's see what Pat right. has to say. So, Pat, how many out of five Joe Coles, how many Joe Coles would you give this? I'm going to give this, for me, I'm giving it a five. I really like this, Whoa. and it's, it's nostalgic for me. Um, every time I, like I said, every time I see this cover, it takes me back to that, you know, 1984 when I was a kid and, and every year after that, you know, going through my summer read that I would do with G.I. Joe, it's, you know, this is where it began. This is the story that starts it for me uh, going forward. I think at this point I was, you know, besides the silent issue was, you know, that was cool. But now here you get, a you know, you get the story going and, and ramping up here. And, and, you know, then in the issue that follows this and then just... Well, I, I can picture all the covers in my head right now. So that's that's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I yeah. <laughs> so I'm giving it. I'm giving it five Joe Colas. Right on. And Brad, out of five Joe Colas, how many co- Joe Colas do you give this cover? Well, I think we said you know it's it's uh, you know not it's 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 good. It may not be the most dynamic cover, but one thing it does do, and this is something I skipped over when uh, I was talking about it earlier was it, it, it definitely makes you want to pick the book up and mm-hmm. in your hand and, and flip through mm-hmm. it. You have Cobra Commander on the cover in, in chains and you've got Roadblock and Clutch. You want to go whoa, what, what's going on in this issue? And so which so I guess it does what you want the cover of any comic book do, which is compel somebody to pick it up off the stand or off the rack and see what it's all about. So I would say on that level, I would give it a five. On a personal level, I would probably give it somewhere in the in the neighborhood of a four. Uh, I like it a lot. It's not my favorite favorite cover, but when I think of GI Joe in this period in the in the 80s, you know, this is one of the covers that does pop into my head. I'd round off about a four and a half because unlike some other <laughs> podcasts, I don't mind half numbers. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, can I ask, since you've only been on uh, a, a few of, of the episodes, from the one through where we are now, have we hit one of your favorites? Well, I think, mm, let me think here. Yes, you have. I think you have. I think it would be issue 15, the red eye to Miami. Because <laughs> That's a good I, um, it's a nice one, but also just for a personal level, or personal reasons, my grandfather uh, was a mid-upper gunner and a Lancaster bomber in the Second World War. So I remember showing him that comic because they because they escape Rio Lindo in an, old, in an old Lancaster bomber. So I remember taking that comic to him and showing it to him and him going over it and saying, "Hey, they got the technical specs pretty close." So 
I think just for a personal reason, that's probably my favorite cover. That and, I guess, issue number two, because it was rare. It was the most money I'd ever spent on a comic at the time. I think I paid <laughs> 20 bucks for it in 85. And I got it autographed by Larry Hama and uh, Herb Trimpey at New York Comic Con back in 2010, a few years before uh, Herb passed away. So it hangs in a place of honor in my uh, home office. Very cool. Very okay. Do you mind if I ask Jared as well? No, that's The ahead. same question? Yeah. Well, I thought you might, so I started looking, flipping back through the covers of the, uh, <laughs> of the previous ones of episodes that haven't been on. And yes, I mean, uh, number one, come on. That's a great cover. It, <laughs> sure. It's a, yeah. That's 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 Grunt front and like center, Connor. and the last you'll ever see of Grunt is pretty much that cover. <laughs> um, I mean, he's still around, but he's never quite featured anymore. I've always we always talk about soft spot in our heart. Number seven, the back to back stalker yeah. Yeah. and uh, Colonel uh, what's his name from the October Guard, Colonel Breakoff. Thank yep. you. Yep. Uh, I always loved that one. I've uh, been a big stalker fan. My brother Jason, that's his number one Joe. He's stalkers like my number two Joe. So, uh, I, and that's just got a lot of going for it. I love that back to back of him and the Colonel just rattling off those guns. I love that cover. Very cool. I, I just like the you know hearing that the the kind of backstory of the personal touches that stand it's weird. out for everybody. Like, usually all Joe fans have like one in their heart. Yeah, you're saying <laughs> just because you just love it so much. But yeah. Well, before you my my thoughts my my score on this. Uh, let me ask you, Pat. Out of the last 23 covers, which one's your... Oh, boy. Um, please, please say 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I'd really let him enjoy 21. Um, no, I'm, I mean, you just point me to say that. From the... Uh, number one is is up there. Number two as well. Um, and, of course, there's three and four. Yeah. Five. Okay. Six through um, one. You know, I, I do have... One for is it number eight or nine? Uh, the one where the space shuttle that they're protecting eight or nine is that eight or nine? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, nine is the up. one with uh, stalker. The, sorry, eight the one with stalker the jetpack. Yes, and that one. Ship above them. Yep that that uh, that brings back a lot of memories for me as well too. That was uh, one of them that I had as well. I'm I, I, I'm going to have to say though my my top is this one for right now. But right now where we are up to just because. Yep. And for my, my score on this one, I'm going to have to agree with uh, Pat on this one. This is definitely a five. It helps that it's got Cobra Commander in the hood and everything. And like I say, when I was looking at this, something seemed, I don't want to use the word off, but it didn't look like a normal cover. But that's what it is, because it's painted. Thank you for that, Brad. I, somehow, mm-hmm. it, the colors didn't look quite like they normally do. It just looked, looked better, and that's what it is, because it's painted. And as far as my favorites out of the series, it would probably be this one, followed by issue number 10. The one of Snake Eyes and Scarlet sneaking through Springfield. Nice. All right, yep. Yeah. And, yeah, who would ask? Jared. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> one through five Joe Colas. What would you give this one? Uh, I'm glad I took the time to look it up and remember what the beauty of the painted cover, because if you'd asked me just based off the digest, I would have given this a three. Uh, but the digest has those really flat color colors. When you see the, the color palette that he used, uh, I'm going to bump it up to an easy four. I wish there was more action. would have taken me to a five. Uh, this one's not quite as memorable, but, man, he did a great painting. So solid four. Solid four. Very nice. All right. And now let's go ahead and go to the story itself. Yeah, let's start with Brad. Mr. Oh, wow. Brad. Well, let me start with dun, dun, 
This is a Mission Impossible. Well, I'm saying this for a few reasons. One, because I just saw Mission Impossible Fallout on the weekend, finally. But also, the whole issue feels like Mission Impossible in a good way. Uh, It's all about covert ops, uh, smaller-scale stories, smaller operations, which is a great callback to what Hawk says in the previous issue, is, you know, we're going to be scaling things back, we're going to be using more specialized teams, not these huge engagements. And you have key members of the team rather than the whole unit involved. And, you know, you get to see everybody kind of doing their thing. They're playing to their specialty. From the first page, you have Snowjob, you know, scaling a mountain in all his Arctic gear and everything like that. You know, that when you have an Arctic trooper or, a, you know, a, 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 a snow trooper, you, you, you put them in that environment. And then you same thing with uh, putting uh, Cover Girl and Clutch in their respective roles. And uh, having... Uh, Duke and Roadblock at their first mission out, which uh, was was a really nice thing to see as well, because it gives us a chance to get to know these two characters. And you kind of see at this point, you know, Duke is kind of a stiff. Uh, he's, he's he's Hawk version 2.0 or sexy Hawk. If you <laughs> but you know, making Roadblock a chef uh, as his you know original aspiration was, I think, a real masterstroke, especially as he berates the waiter about tinned raspberry sauce on its sorbet. You know, it doesn't take a lot to me give a character a little quirk, but a little goes a long way, and I think Larry has to get some credit there for just saying, I'm going to make this guy a, a chef. You know, somebody was in, in cooking school, and that was his grand, uh, his grand plan. So it gives him a little extra personality, because you know, when you have this many characters uh, to, to work with, and only 22 pages to work with them, you kind of have to find the, the broad strokes to and the, and the shortcuts to, to make them stand out on the page, but it's it, I, I like the the uh, the action is sort of smaller scale compared to the last big issue, which was 19, which had just you know just page after page of, of, of battles. Kind of see a smaller team out in the field doing what they were trained to do, and having the the complications all kind of multiply on them. You know, there's you know the bad guys are present. There's blood in the Baroness and their whole. Thing, and we finally get to see Storm, Storm Shadow as well as Storm Shadow. Um, yeah, another piece of that whole Snake Eyes Storm Shadow relationship, which becomes so crucial for the comic and really the next few issues in particular, but runs through the whole thing. You know, I love the teamwork. I love the uh, the, the, the car chases down the uh, steep mountain roads. I love Clutch driving down the side of the mountain essentially, which is a which is a which is a great action beat, but it's also a great character beat. Um, you know. Once again, you get the idea that Clutch was one of Larry's favorite characters, and you know he he really plays to that uh, that continuity of the character. Because over time, Clutch kind of fades into the background before popping up much later in this series in, in some more prominent roles. And you can kind of feel a lot of the old original Joes kind of peeling off in favor of the new ones, which I think is something that's going to you, you see a lot of over the next little while, where uh, you know Larry will still try to make efforts to keep the original Joes still in the uh, in the game, so to speak. But, um, you know, here it's just that they're a team of specialists, and it's great to see them all playing to their strengths. So, uh, yeah, this is a, this is a, a really fun issue, and uh, it's 
after the play setter of last of uh, last issue of 22 to see the story kind of kicking into high gear and ending, even though it's teased on the cover and on the splash page with the book's title, that Cobra Commander captured at the end is a big deal. Very nice. And uh, Jared, what are your thoughts on this, this issue? Uh, I didn't read it. I didn't think so. <laughs> All right. And Pat, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> I've got thoughts. I've got the. Although I think Brad did an excellent job going through it, so I, I, I won't say he went full Jonathan Schaefer Hames, but uh, he did a very <laughs> thorough job. Uh, just, I'll just tell you a couple of things I liked about it. <clears throat> uh, well, let's start this. Brad started his out with a theme song, so I'll start out my, mine with. Why is it Back to the Future? Because Barron's just like, let's look at my new face. And it looks exactly like her old face. <laughs> Never understood that. But she's got new glasses. Um, okay. <laughs> I was just like, it really put me in mind of that scene where Doc Brown was like, I, I put this mask on so I wouldn't shock you and he, and from Back to the Future 2 and he pulls the mask off and he looks exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> uh, so that... that abused me uh but aside from that i'm pretty sure that larry hama had just finished watching cannonball run and was like i'm, I'm gonna go write a gi joke because <laughs> it has got a wacky chase in it i mean you could almost hear the wacky chase I'll tell you one thing I did like, though, that I thought was pretty cool. I I had forgotten. It's been so long since I read this. I had forgotten that the chauffeur was Storm Shadow. So when he busted that out, I was like, oh, man, that was cool. I didn't didn't see it coming 100%. It was like it was 1980-whatever, you know, what, five or whenever this one came out, <laughs> all, all over again. Because I was like, whoa, that's cool. But aside from that, I think Brad did a great job. I just want to point out those couple of things, and I'll, I'll pass it to Pat. Oh. All right. Well, um, I got some notes, so let me go through my notes here. This better uh, not suck. Uh, you know, <laughs> I hope not. But I, I was, uh, I'm gonna just gonna jump ahead real quick on something you mentioned uh, with Storm Shadow, and how they, when he finally reveals himself, does he change his face mask too? Because they kind of keep the, you know, his, his mask is kind of the same looking, but it's to me, it looks like it's a you know like a blue or, or a dark color instead of the white. Or I don't know if that's just you know whatever hat he's wearing is trying to cover it up or not. But uh, 
See, I had questions about that also, because also there on page 14, it looks like he has goggles on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what's throwing me off, is like it looks like it's goggles. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I think it's just, the, as far as the, the color, I think it's just supposed to be shading and... Okay. But yeah, the goggles is what threw me, it looks like he has goggles on, what threw me off. Okay, maybe that's what it is, maybe he did have goggles and he just, maybe he takes off his... But I, I always... Just when I read through it again, I'm like, oh, that's confusing. Is you know, I'm trying to. I know who it is, but why doesn't it look like him? <laughs> so they did a very good job of keeping that hidden. But just something I, you know, as a kid, probably didn't care at the time. But when going back as an with an adult mind now, I I find those odd things. But I want to go back to the first page, that full page picture of Storm Sh- of uh, Snow Job. Like that, like Brad mentioned too, you get to see Snow Job actually doing what he does. You know, he's fully geared up, sitting Jeez. on a mountain. It's cool. I, I like that. I think that's a very awesome full page, uh, splash page there. Very good. Um, I, I got in my notes here. It figures that the two new Joes get the easy command post in the cafe. I, I, I like that. You do see some character uh, development there as well too, with Roadblock and how he's, you know. He's a chef at heart, and how he talks to the waiter, waiter staff, and then, then their next post that they go to, they're you know again they get the the nice place again, and yet and get to have better food that go around. <laughs> I like that. Um, I don't know if it's you guys notice this when they show the pit in the pit. I believe it's Breaker, and they say meanwhile in the pit, and it cuts to looks like Breaker Hawks there in my. In, in my caption there, when they cut to that, it says Hank. We're picking yeah. up a yeah, Santa. Okay. All right. It's supposed to be Hawk, but yeah, yeah. There's a typo, I believe. Okay. Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, Hank. So I, I thought, I'm like, what? Did I read that right or not? But <laughs> Yeah, I had to go back to and double. Wait, what? It's one of those things where you know it's Hawk, so I just, you just, oh, Hawk, you know, because uh, it's the odd catch that I, I, and I've never seen that before until now so i thought that was very interesting uh when you start to dissect these i guess you you, you begin to pick up a little more than what you normally would <laughs> i like how uh blood kind of stands up to cobra commander and uh kind of calls him out and and plays him uh you know calls him out on what he's going to do and makes him all get all huffy and leave <laughs> um and then another thing at that point where he's going up the stairs underneath you know you, you own a big city why are you underneath the dungeon why are you know why are you in the why do you have to take a ladder? Yeah, <laughs> to get to get out of here. <laughs> you spent all that like, money on those life-size cardboard cutouts. Yeah. <laughs> his, his awesome Cobra chair. <laughs> yeah, you got a chair and the you know what do you you can have you know a facade yeah. somewhere else and just get a warehouse or something, man. Where are you going to be underground? Maybe like maybe a little elevator. Yeah. I mean, the elevator doesn't go anywhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in that panel. Uh, in that that panel on that page where he's you know storms off, you know slams down the phone and then you know you don't see people slamming down the phone anymore. You don't you know otherwise they're going to ruin their cell phones. <laughs> but but you see him going up the stairs and there's a little skull like at the bottom of the oh yeah the bottom of the steps on the bottom of the steps. Well, where are you getting the skull from, Commander? Is that an actual skull? Is it just a knickknack that you picked up somewhere, a little leftover from the Halloween party or something? I don't know. Scarface. That was my, that's that Scarface. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh, the, then, yeah, we find out about who Storm Shadow is. I, I 
really enjoy that a lot, that reveal. There is another art page that I like. It's page eight is when the limo is pulling into the plane from the back end of the plane. You have that three trans three panels of transition up on the top. I think that's done really neat. I like that when comics do that or when you know when they kind of make those transitions like that through panel through panel like that. I find that really interesting. And is Baroness crying there in the does she get little like tear marks? I think it's just supposed to be reflection on her glasses. Okay. I didn't know if she was kind of I've always felt that she was maybe just, you know, crying a little bit from what blood says to her, but you know, making her feel good. That's one way of looking at it. Hmm. She's got that whole new face, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you you answered my one of my questions. I was like, who's this mask marauder, marauder guy? Yeah, I got that as a note. Yeah, you looked it up because I was curious if they actually did have a, someone that looked like that's exactly like Cobra Commander without the signias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't find anything on the mask marauder, so. Let's see. I enjoyed the, I, I enjoyed the car chase. I thought it was good. Oh, it's was fun. It? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of, I, I think Brad said it right. It's like kind of a, you know, a mission here uh, that with that car chase, it wasn't overly done. Um, you have the only thing. OK, you're in this uh, Dutton. What is it? It's uh, what kind of Dutton's burger or. Uh, oh, man. What's that car? Car name? Duesenberg. The Duesenberg. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and you got like how many five, six, seven guys <laughs> just hanging out to the side of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was Where'd you get all those guys? I don't know. <laughs> Goons are us. <laughs> what? Okay. Why does you couldn't just like I'm gonna ride in style and I don't have a, a hood, you know? I, what do I need? Oh, I'm gonna need some protection. <laughs> oh, that's just funny. Let's get to some uh, action with Duke and Roadblock. Well, mainly Roadblock is just, he, again, he shows he can take down things with that gun. He, not only did he do a Rattler last issue, now he's taken down that Dutensburg or Dutz, whatever, that car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't see it. Uh, that car, and then he takes down the limo as well later on. I'm like, man, that guy is just, and he just sits there and stands in front with his gun, you know. I'm wondering what it, what would stop him? What would make him move? I don't know. Very little. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just I also love the scene with when Snake Eyes comes, busts out of his trench coat there, and and does the <laughs> with the sword. What's it sound like again? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> um. And then uh, the other part is too. So, so I can't remember who's driving the vamp at the time that he busts into the room where the chandelier fell on Roadblock, but they just roll that right into that room <laughs> and then roll it down the stairs. Oh, gee, I yeah, it was, it was like Snow Job was driving. Oh, okay. Well, then that makes sense. Then yeah, he's definitely gonna. He, Clutch, Clutch wouldn't do that. Uh, but speaking of Clutch, I like how Clutch calls out his vehicle too when they pass him on the road. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it's like hey that's my vehicle uh, just so you knew so the kids when they were playing with the vehicles knew oh i gotta use clutch for the vamp <laughs> other than that i really enjoyed this issue what about you aaron um i've got, I've got notes i've got on my computer set a piece of paper but i'm gonna read through them I guess you guys comment on a lot of these but i'm gonna talk about them anyways uh for my notes i start off the cover i love it a classic five yojo colas 
And as I said, I love the Hooded Cobra Commander. I love the realistic details on the cover. Uh, I like that roadblock, as, we've, as you guys have mentioned, the new guy is on stakeout, and he's more concerned about the local eateries than surveilling anybody. <laughs> he's worried about, you know, Mayor D's like, you know, talking about Duke talking to his briefcase. Says, Don't worry about him. Who brought my food? <laughs> yeah, I think it was Pat said the, the argument between uh, Blood and Cobra Commander on page five. I love that, that conversation between them. And then when Cobra Commander's leaving, I'm going to follow up what Pat was talking about when uh, Cobra Commander climbed up the stairs and left. Everyone's giving Cobra Commander the, uh, the Hitler salute. Hmm. I thought that was in our mind. Okay. Uh, and have I said how much I love the hooded Cobra Commander? Spit that out there. Uh, Not lately. I mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> On page eight, Baroness, as uh, Shag would say, she's hot. Uh, <laughs> just maybe a minor nitpick uh, there on page eight. Look, the blinds right behind uh, Major Blood are closed. The only blinds that appear to be over are ones off to the side, but Snowjob has a perfect line of sight onto the tickets that he's holding. Off maybe I'm the only one that caught that. But on page eight at the bottom, he's holding tickets like right in front of him, and the blinds behind him are closed. But on the next page, it looks like Snowjob's looking at the tickets directly. Just a little nitpick, because again, this is a great issue. So to have any complaints, it's got to be a nitpick on this. Uh, as I talked about earlier, the Mass Marauder, I like how he loves exactly that Cobra Commander. Uh, and then I think uh, when I, I forget who it was, when you guys mentioned about uh, all the men hanging on to the Duesenberg. I love that. It reminds me of like an old-time gangster movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just them, all, just them all hanging on, and then the scene there on page 11 where they're shooting at the car, and all they're just all turned firing. That was a great scene. I like that. Moving on, page 14. That was another great page. between Roadblock swinging his gun and Storm Shadow dropping down out of the sky. I love that. And again, talking about Storm Shadow and the goggles, he must have Kazan... When Cobra Commander, or when he picks Cobra Commander from the car, he, it looks like he has goggles on there, too. So I don't know if he throws off, or that little thing will kind of bug me a little bit. Also on page 16, when their attack, when uh, Duke and Roadblock are attacking Blood and Storm Shadow, this panel seems a little off. It doesn't seem as detailed as everything else. Duke looks a little weird. Major Blood looks a little off. Other than that, like I said, the art in the book's fantastic. On page 19, I like that line where his girlfriend or wife were like, what did you give him the car? Well, she had it on his face. And a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and I do have a question here for Jared. Oh, is this um, a military authenticity question? This is a military authenticity question, yes. All right. Um, I was either going to ask you or I was going to have to get uh, Jonathan back on the phone. phone yeah, right. Now. Right. <laughs> And I believe uh, Brad mentioned it earlier, the, the vamp driving off the edge of the, the cliff there like that, rotating a couple of times, tipping mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. Is that, would they survive that? <laughs> well, uh, that's commonly known as cliff jump driving, and you generally get that on about day six in your training okay. in the military. So I'm assuming this is at least day seven. Uh, but no, uh, I would have to say, uh, Captain Jared Albrecht, United States Air Force, would have to say, uh, they should be dead. Yes. <laughs> straight, up, straight, up, straight up dead. I was like, what, what the, again, it's a comic book, I, I need superheroes so I can, I can roll with it, just, uh, yeah, I thought that was funny, too, like, I could have seen it, they could have probably sold it to me if, he, if he'd kind of, like, driven down at a really steep angle and pulled out the, you know, but that's straight, yeah. that thing straight up tumbled down a mountain. Yeah, a mountain in Switzerland, you know, by the way. They're, they're pretty big over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that too. And I do like that last panel where 
they've got Cobra Commander, you know, Robux got his gun on as they're walking down to Cobra Commander. Cobra Commander has his hands in the air. Something I missed here, uh, on page 16, I had a, I think I answered my own question, but where the hell did Cobra Commander get, have his mask hidden at? Baron's home, put your, he- put your helmet on. Unless it was hidden maybe in his car, I got taken later. Because we're getting into a car, so maybe he had it in the car and he switched them in there. I don't know. I just thought it was weird to show him his, his hit mask on instead, or you know, the hood. Not the hood, the, the helmets. And he pulled it out and put it on. I'm like, well, where did that come from? <laughs> Again, my internet picks, yeah, it's a great issue, so that's the only complaints I have with it, really. I did want to mention the letter column. I was reading that. Uh, there was a letter from a guy called John Kong. Uh, his question was, is Scarlet or Snake Eyes Scarlet's brother? My response to that? Ew. <laughs> Dude, you just ruined it for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> also, there was a letter from Matt McCarty that was commenting about Doc being miscolored in issue 20. I even talked about that. He was colored white instead of black. Uh, they responded, yeah, who did the letter pitch on this one? Yeah, I said, yeah, it was a slip of the coloring brush. Just mm-hmm. a couple things I to point out there. But overall, yes, I thought, like you guys, everyone has said it's a great story. It was the the, uh, the car chase, if you will, was very yeah, comical, and it was good. It was, a hilarious, it was hilarious, and it was just a good chase. You got the, you know, the, the limo, you got the float, you got the van. <laughs> it ran against a cement truck. Mm-hmm. That was just that was just a great chase scene. But that's my thoughts on it. I say it was a great cover, a great issue. It was fantastic all the way around. Um, unless you guys have any other thoughts that we missed, uh, Brad, any other thoughts on this issue? Uh, I had a question actually yes, sir. that I'll that I will put to the group. Do you think this issue would work better with a different cover and title? Meaning on the cover yes. you don't have. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, would it? Oh, you're, you're it talking about it gives away too much, right? That's what you're going with. Yeah. The cover and the title itself, yeah, it lets us know the Cobra Commander is captured. I mean, it doesn't ruin it, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it would have worked better if we didn't have, if we didn't show oh, yeah. the last page. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, think, thinking, of re- thinking of just, you know, reading a cold off the newsstand in 1984. It's like, oh, the new issue, yeah, Joe, and, you know, like, holy crap, they, they captured Cobra Commander. It's, it seems, even now, years later, it seems like a weird decision to make that we're going to put Cobra Commander in chains on the cover and we're going to call it Cobra Commander Captured at Last. We're gonna, in the previous issue, we're going to say next issue of Cobra Commander is captured. It, it just seems like they're kind of saying, the, the next issue is so amazing, we're going to tell you exactly what happens in this next issue. And it just seems like such an odd thing to do because it's such a big moment that gets a little robbed just by the title and the cover. You know, I had similar thoughts. Uh, what about you, Jared? What do you think about that? Well, on the flip side of that, it's been, uh, was this, 23? Issue 23? Yeah. 23 issues, and, they've, and they they had kind of spun their wheels, and Cobra Commanders are constantly you know, always getting away. Uh, and so I could see where they might use as a marketing device. Like, this is the one where they capture him, so everybody would be like, let's run out and buy it, you know? That's my only defense for it. I personally, I think you know it played better if uh, they had maybe sh- done the same cover and Clutch and Roadblock are walking a prisoner away, but that prisoner's in shadow, so you can't tell who it is. You know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Pat, what do you think about that? Um, it's I kind of it's hard for me to agree on that. I think I think you have to take in effect that the writing staff, that the whole team knew what the next issue was going to be as well. Right. So. You know, because the next issue, you know, you, there's a different cover, 
it kind of, it, you know, it's kind of the opposite, and right. the title of that story is the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I pulled out the look seeing I was going to comment on that. They had a title next issue, spoilers, is The Commander Escapes. So I, I think, you know, that's, they, they may have had, you know, hey, let's show them how, you know, they capture them. Yeah, let's, well, so let's see how they do it. And that's what the story tells you. It's kind of like when those movies, when they show you what the end is, and then they play it through again. Right. How they got to that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then, you know, they also knew what the next issue is going to be as well, too. As a right. kid, I didn't know, so, you know, <laughs> uh, that would be all my, my defense for that. You know, I, I agree. As, as you guys were talking, I was looking at the next issue, issue 24, and I did see uh, it's called Cobra Commander Escapes. I'm like, I guess the two together actually kind of go together, so it, I, I still wonder if it would have been better having a different title, but yeah, like, it didn't really, I don't think it ruined anything, it just... No, no, it doesn't ruin anything, it just... No, it's yeah. Didn't bury the lead. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Jerry, do you have any thoughts on this issue? Uh, just that this was fun because I've actually been through the mountain ranges and I've been to Luca. And uh, when staying in Luca, you should always stay on the second floor. <laughs> I'm glad somebody got my Susan Vega joke. legitimately have been through that area and those mountains are amazing and it's just cool to see that in a comic very good and pat any thoughts on this issue um no i just i really enjoyed this issue and i like uh how again how they left you kind of at the end with that they got them and i i'm just i'm excited to go on to the next issue i want to read the next issue now Oh, very much, yeah. I'm excited for every issue we're getting to at this point, because like yeah. we've said numerous times before, issue 22, 23 is when things start ramping up, and it's issue after issue, it just keeps building up to fantastic stories, so... Yeah, I'm so I'm excited for the, these these issues that are coming. Very good. Okay, well, let's go ahead and take a break real quick. Let's uh, get some Yojo Colas. Let's go ahead and uh, go to the bathroom, and uh, we'll be right back. I'm going to play some promos, and we'll be right back with... G.I. Joe the Cartoon. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Attention, attention all personnel. New from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, it's MASHCAST. Hosted by MASH megafan Rob Kelly and a rotating cast of VIPs, MASHCAST analyzes episode by episode the greatest television series of all time, MASH. Find MASHCAST on fireandwaterpodcast.com. Jocularity! Jocularity! 
Hi, John. Hi, Maggie. I'm still wrapping my brain around the fact that we're married. <laughs> Me too, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Aw. Oh, hey, I was looking at these old comics, and I noticed that there's Hold a Hold that thought. Why don't we talk about it on our podcast? We have a podcast? It seems like the logical next step. We get married. We change our names. We combine our comic collections. We start a podcast about comic books. Well, I can't fault your logic, but there are plenty of podcasts out there already. Do you really think we'll have anything new and interesting to say? Oh, I think we'll manage. Welcome to the Married with Comics podcast, where we constantly fuck up. <laughs> it goes from Marvel Girl to Phoenix to Marvel Girl to Jean Grey to Phoenix to Dead. Um, <laughs> and then apparently he's so consumed with his own thoughts that he runs right past three monkeys <laughs> in an A brainwave camera took a picture of that guy's head. A brainwave camera. Uh, and Ben's just basically, whatever you gotta do to stop the commies, Nick. So join us at the Married with Comics podcast. We're two newlyweds with a love for comics intelligently, critically, and thoughtfully discuss comic books. Also listen as we goof around, make jokes, and make fun of John for mispronouncing names. I do that a lot. Sometimes we'll pick a topic and review and discuss comics that relate to the topic. And sometimes we'll pick up a comic and see what discussion topics come up. Sometimes we'll spend an entire episode talking about how much Maggie loves Batman. The only thing that's almost as strong as my love for you is my love for Batman. The Married with Comics podcast. Available directly on our site at marywcomics.libsyn.com, on iTunes, and wherever good podcasts are found. Also, check us out at Facebook at the Married with Comics podcast. We've got everything you need. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed those promos. Uh, next, we're going to look at G.I. Joe, the cartoon. Special Mission Force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against COBRA, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He never gives up, he'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. This is episode 10, entitled Jungle Trap. This was written by Paul Denny. Yes, that Paul Denny. On this, I'm sorry, this was first aired September the 27th of 1985. The synopsis In a plan to attack the world's cities with lava, Dr. Shakur, a scientist who invented the Vulcan machine, is captured by Cobra. G.I. Joe must head into Cobra's jungle base, rescue the doctor, and stop Cobra from carrying out their mission before the cities literally become hotspots. And let's go ahead and start with Pat this time. Pat, what are your thoughts? I didn't watch this video. <laughs> All right. And moving on to Jerry. <laughs> I think he's kind of uh, telling the truth. 
<laughs> well, a little bit. I just watched uh, I watched it uh, right before we started recording. So truth be told, um, so I don't really have a lot of notes. Um, I think you know while watching this through, this is another. Uh, I, in my notes, I got the mass device. Why do they keep going? Does Cobra keep trying to make these mass <laughs> devices? And you kind of have the whole that kind of a well, uh, plot put together, except they're not running around the world trying to get the game pieces to see who it, you know who can clean, do the hungry hippo and see who gets the most marbles. If you want to win the game, you gotta take a good aim and get the most marbles with your hippo. Playing hungry, hungry hippo. Um, but you do have Duke getting trapped again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have a brainwave where you know they put something on some guy's head, and now he's controlled. You know, so that 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 at least that's a device that seems to be working good for them. Yeah, they got that one go-to. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that that that's a good one that's working for him. But I, it's like when I saw him come up and when the when the that device comes up and it's in pieces like oh god another mass device here <laughs> so uh i do think though this is, has uh, a lot of action in the beginning i like the big opening scene um that they have in is it in, it's in india so I, I like that big opening scene there um i had a question because uh, i have that kind of um air battle going on um who would win if you know if just because a cartoon showed it, but wouldn't you think a, a fang could really take out a dragonfly in in an air battle like that? Who would actually win? The AH one cobra, of course. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. The fang is not going to be the dragonfly, man. The dragonfly well, base. Well, the fang can maneuver a little bit more, you know. I I imagine that the dragonflies are more armored and more. Yeah. They take a little more damage, whereas. Like uh, someone else, I think someone commented on the f- Facebook page somewhere or something that you know if they get jostled wrong, those cobra troopers are getting a haircut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I like those though. I really thought I thought the Fang was a really cool vehicle. Oh, I agree with you. Uh, I really like that. Um, the dragonfly was cool too, but and and couldn't the dragonfly just go a little bit higher? You got that canopy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are just breathing. It's not like they got masks on or anything on the on the fang copter. Yeah, it seems like the, the dragonfly could go faster, go higher. Mm-hmm. Better I think armor, better armament. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Well, you know, it's because Cobra Commander tends to spend his money on other things. <laughs> like his sure. you know, labels and everything. Yeah, labels and cutouts of his. Hardware <laughs> cutouts are so, big. Yeah. <laughs> Buy Industrial, some sort of big chess piece game thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, I, again, this was an, an action-packed uh, episode. I I enjoyed it. I thought, uh, you know, th- the story-wise was was pretty good for me compared to what we've seen previously, a few episodes. So uh, definitely enjoyed this one. Right on. And Brad, what are your thoughts on? Well, it's 1985. It's the fall of 85. I'm coming home from school from junior high in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I'm coming home and I'm pouring myself a Coke Classic and <laughs> I'm sitting down on the couch uh, instead of doing homework and I'm watching this episode. And it's fine. It ticks the boxes of what someone coming home from school in 1985 would want to see. Uh, there's action. 
There's another Cobra plot doomed to fail. Uh, the Joes save the day, the end. Uh, you know, there's nothing spectacular or remarkable or even, dare I say, memorable. But as a scenario builder for your toy collection, it's a pretty solid episode. It's nice to see uh, Rakondo in action. I'm a little disappointed we don't get to see much of Ripcord. Uh, as, you know, spoiler alert, he was and remains my favorite Joe toy. Um, he's, he's one of the ones I kept from my original collection. Both the action figure I really dug, and especially his later arc in the comics. Um, and I think that's where the cartoon ultimately does succeed, in that you get to see a lot of these characters and actually don't necessarily get in the comic. In the TV show, you could introduce all these new characters in an episode or the premiere miniseries, and they're established, and then you just drop them in whenever you need them. In the comic, it's a lot tougher to do that, because Larry had to keep bringing new toys into the story, new characters, and sometimes they only appeared that one time. So props to the cartoon for selling those toys, guys. <laughs> um, the, Can I the, ask the, a... Yeah? Oh, sorry, Brad. Can I ask a question? You, Please. You, when you say, you know, watching the cartoon, it would, you know, good way for somebody to you know play with their toys does that bring up you know did you used to do that you know watch the cartoon and then take your toys and either go oh i gotta get that vehicle now because i really like the action that they put that in or that figure i want to get that guy now because i think uh, you know i can play with him in this way did that give you spawn off i guess my question is did it spawn off ideas from the cartoon for you to play with your toys or from the comic book well, I think I read, I, the comic book just got me into reading the comic and subsequently into reading other comics. I didn't so much read the comic and then go pull the toys and try to reenact scenes from uh, the comic. Um, I thought the storytelling in the comic was a little more immersive mm-hmm. and a little more cerebral than the cartoon was. Whereas the cartoon, if anything, the cartoon you know would get me to t- pull out the toys that I hadn't played with in, in, in some time. You know, the ones that were sort of sitting in the in the closet gathering dust. Um, yeah, so that, I think that's where the cartoon really kind of worked. And other for me or even for other kids of the same age or you know, a little younger or a little older at the time, it kind of got them to go, oh, I'm going to see my favorite toy in action or maybe a toy that I have that I haven't played with a lot. Maybe renew some interest in mm-hmm. taking that toy out and doing a little bit more with it rather than just it's sitting there not really doing anything. So, uh, you know, it was it was kind of a nice little bit of escapism in that in that sense, but it also made me go, hey, I have that toy upstairs. It's featured in this episode. I should go dig it out and you know take it around the block, metaphorically. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I wanted to point out though that the uh, the rendition of India was uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, you know, as soon as the snake charmers and third world squalor showed up, I was like, oh, this is a tip- this is eighties cartoons all the way. It was. You know, they would, they would always pull out those cliches. I mean, frankly, if a magic carpet had shown up, I wouldn't have been surprised. And, and the fact that, given this is G.I. Joe, the cartoon, I'm actually disappointed that a magic carpet didn't show up. Or a disappearing rope trick or something like that, because that just seemed to be such like ripe, fertile earth to, to plant a story in. I mean, this is a cartoon that featured Excalibur, the sword at some point. So they kind of dropped the ball there. But uh, <laughs> I wanted to point out one thing, though, is uh, seeing Copperheart, Copperhead was a really nice little surprise because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he doesn't appear in the comic at all, does he? 
yeah, I think he does appear in the comic. If yeah. Mistake. I don't recall. I I never. Gosh. I don't think I ever saw him in the comic. I cannot recall. I can remember but, him in some of the IDWs, but like in the Marvels, you yeah. might be right, You're, Brad. What to watch out for? I thought he did here recently, somewhat. Yeah, maybe in the more recent ones, but not in the original Marvel one. One of a rare few figures toys that did not appear in the comic book. I, I of some of the other Cobra huh. ones, you know, some of the more minor Cobra henchman characters or whatever that they got their own figure but they never appeared in the Marvel comics so I think I think Copperheart was one of them hmm. yeah, that's a good that is a definitely a good question that's a Kevin question yeah yeah, yeah Kevin would know where's Kevin Jonathan 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 he would know yeah I thought he'd shown up somewhere but I'm glancing through the next couple where I thought he might have appeared at and no he, yeah Maybe that maybe that maybe that's a question we pose to the audience or post on Facebook group. Yeah, out there listening, I'll post this on Facebook also. Does anyone know of where uh, Copperhead shows up in the comic in any of these the original Marvel run? You would think you Yeah, you would think you'd maybe see him on the on the Cobra Island. Yeah. Somewhere. Or hmm. you guys out there know, go ahead and write in, let me know, or Go into the Facebook and let us know. Curious now. And what were you gonna say, Brad? That that was really it. You know, it's it's a it's a it's sort of a, boil, a boilerplate episode. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of ticks all the boxes, but uh, but it's fun and it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty pretty solid, if unremarkable episode. It's not terrible, but it may not be a classic either. But it's it's fun. I mean, it's it it brings us some toys and some characters you don't get to see a lot of. Uh, in the, in the comic, just by virtue of the economy of having to tell a story in a comic and introduce new characters and new toys, so at least in the in the in the cartoon, you still got some mileage out of those, some mileage and some uh, playtime out of those toys that maybe a couple of years old. And before we pass this over to Jared, um, I was looking on Wikipedia for Copperhead, just to answer your own question. And according to according to Wikipedia on Copperhead, yeah, he never actually appeared in any of the Marvel. Comics G.I. Joe, although and that's what I was thinking, the, the water moxkin shows up without him in upcoming issues. Uh, he was a member of the Action Force continuity, which was the, the uh, British version of G.I. Joe. Oh, okay. And then he did appear in the Devil's Due comic, as someone mentioned. He was providing secu- uh, nautical security for Cobra Island, and then he's in the IDW series. Mm. I, I never yeah. read I never read GI Joe European Missions or the Action Force comics. I, ne- I never read those when they were originally out. So yeah, I read some of the European action. I read some of the actual actual Action Force books. I picked them up at a comic shop or something one time years ago, just because it was GI Joe related. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, and again, Wikipedia could be wrong. So if someone out there knows of where Copperhead may have shown up, definitely still let us know. But yeah, according to Wikipedia, he doesn't show up in the, the Marvel series at all. Which yeah, I. Thought he did for some reason. Yeah, you think he would just show up, like even if he doesn't talk, just you know, right. standing somewhere. But yeah, when they sh- next couple issues, when they when they show the the, the water moxkin, it's Cobra Commander driving it. So, and in the cartoon, he was voiced by Frank Weckler. Ah, Megatron. At least in the the Sumbo version, the Deke one, it's Maurice Lamarche, whoever that is. Um, so quickly moving on, Jared. What are your thoughts? Do you have notes? I don't I don't have as many because they didn't give us as much to work with. Like I said, it's kind of flat, but I'll read you what I've got. 
First one says, Paul Dini, with exclamation points. I was like, that's cool. A little early Paul Dini action. You mentioned that at the top of this. <clears throat> the next one goes into the negativity. Uh, I wrote, that is one lame-ass sign, countersign that they had. The guy in India was like, a snake doesn't come out when it's hot. It does when it's a cobra or whatever. I was like, oh, come on, man. Watch some Bond movies. Get some better sign, countersign. <laughs> Sneak a smelled snake backwards. <laughs> I am from G.I. Joe. I am your contact. <laughs> Party want a cracker? <laughs> yeah. Don't bring up Polly ever again. <laughs> uh, militarily speaking, my favorite moment was when the Joes are out in this very big courtyard. Cobras literally have them surrounded. Joes don't know they're there. All right, if you've got your enemy in the open and you have the element of surprise, and you've got them completely surrounded. There's no reason to lose that firefight. And yet somehow, somehow, Cobra lost that firefight. Again, I, I think it's because the, he doesn't spend the money on the training. <laughs> I guess The weapons not. and the training. You know, uh, get yourself some good trainers. Yeah. Yeah, militarily, that was a slam dunk, and uh, they, they threw up a brick there. Uh then they start chasing him through the city, and Zartan disguises the snake charmer and says, it's a shortcut this way. How the hell would some random stranger know where they were going? Is a shortcut to where? Like, you, how do you know where we're going? So that they just went into that. But what it did allow that to do was we got to see Scarlet do a front flip kick to the face of a Cobra guy up a set of stairs. That <laughs> is some gosh damn acrobatics right there. Well, again, uh, that goes back to training. Um, the GI the the training. The Joes are trained very okay. well. The money's well, well good, spent. Good. I'm glad you brought that up. That's going to segue nicely into my next point. Uh, I do still, to this day, teach leadership for a living. And at one point, Cobra Commander's direction to his troops, I think it was a Crimson Guard. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. He says, because the guy's like, the Joes are coming. And Cobra Commander says, prepare to greet them warmly. <laughs> now I teach a lesson on good goals and objectives. That is not a good goal and objective because the, the guy on the other end of the phone is going to be like, "What? What does that mean? Like, I guess we're supposed to attack them. I don't. What if Cobra wanted them to just like make beverages, maybe some finger foods? You don't know. That was a crappy goal. So he fails <laughs> in goals and objectives. Uh, here's my deep thought from the episode: If you took Doctor Dre. And you took Tupac Shakur and you mix them together, you get Dr. Shakur. And I just think that's <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I was just waiting for him to be all like, California love. Uh, 
Uh, let's see. What do I got here? Oh, I got Cobra's anti-papaya guns are on point. That was money well spent. Man, those guns took down a papaya fruit like nobody's business. Uh, Cobra Commander has a hyena button. That's pretty dope. He's got a button he can press to just hyenas. Uh, there you go. Duke got caught in a trap. Uh, at that point, yeah, at that point I wrote, is it bad that I'm on Team Hyena at this point? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I vote, I wrote down that I think Copperhead was voiced by the guy who played the Warden and Cool Hand Luke. You know, what we have here is failure. (laughs) And my final note is that I'm really glad that when they fought all those Cobra guys, those Cobra guys showed up and then they stole all the uniforms, somehow... Scarlet found the one that was very female form fitting for her. So I'm that, that was that was the highlight. Those are all my notes, gentlemen. Thanks for entertaining my hijinks. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and go through mine. Got some similar to you guys. Um, I start with the intro. As I've said before, and I'll say it again. For some reason, I just love when I see the trouble bubbles. It just makes me smile every time I watch these cartoons. Um, also, as both me and Jared commented. This is written by the the Paul Denny. Uh, Cobra Commander's head logo to me looks like it's an iron-on patch. <laughs> and, uh, it's all about budgeting, man. Where are you going to spend those dollars? Yeah. And as was commented earlier, and we've commented before, Cobras and Joes, neither one of them hits the broadside of a barn. <laughs> when they're in that fight out there, they're like what five feet from each other. Every single laser misses. I, uh, and then later on, when Snake Eyes jumps down, Snake Eyes is one bad mother. Shut your mouth. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just talking about Snake Eyes. Yeah, I can dig it. <laughs> Who's the cat that won't come out? The message you're all about. Yeah. Right on. I see this cat shot as a bad mother. Shut your mouth. What I'm talking about, sure. Uh, I love how when uh, the Dreadnoughts are attacking, Zartan's shouting orders from behind the wall. <laughs> Get them, you idiots! And he ducks that behind the wall. <laughs> and while Duke was captured in the that trap, he wasn't actually captured and taken in. I'm kind of surprised he wasn't captured by the Cobras. <laughs> I was a little surprised by that. Uh, my next note, when the Joes are flying in, uh, if you guys noticed this, Ripcord is the only one with a flight helmet and mask on. Yeah. Everyone else is just as they are. And my notes on that, because action figures. <laughs> right. He's the only one that checked in at aviation life support equipment before the flight. No, well, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Torpedo wears his flippers. <laughs> <laughs> because action figures. Exactly. And I do have a note. I think Pat mentioned this. Return of the mind control device. Mm-hmm. From the, I think that was the very first miniseries they showed those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked, it looked what like... happened? Oh, yeah. Duke was captured. Okay. It looked like it had got an upgrade. It got you know a little cobra in the middle of it now instead of just the the band that went across the silver band that went across. I didn't have the cobra. So I'm saying had the cobra on there to begin with, but maybe not. I'll have to watch those and see. Yeah. I think you know just like a little more more of a crown right. with the with the cobra symbol. Well, I did like I did like the fact that you know, as one of you guys said, yeah, they, they did return something that actually did work. So <laughs> somewhat. Uh, question again this something that Jared just brought up uh, how many female Cobra agents did we ever see how the hell did Cobra fool, or how the hell did Scarlet fool them because she looks like a woman in the outfit 
Yes, she does. And that's how she yeah. did it. <laughs> yeah, it's not like she she was padded out like a guy or yeah, she she looked like a hot chick in that outfit. I don't understand. <laughs> they see these guards walking through. Wait a minute, we don't have skirts on the team. You're supposed to be in the kitchen, woman. <laughs> is it me or does Gary look really good today? <laughs> <laughs> We've been on this boat too long. <laughs> I'm having the strangest feelings towards him. <laughs> <laughs> Another comment I have here is I don't quite understand Zartan's quote, disability. Earlier on in the episode, he was in India, full sunlight, <laughs> full doing sun. just fine. Scarlet blasts a hole in the roof, and a sunlight hits him, and he runs away, changing colors. I don't quite understand how his, how that works. Well, he was wearing sunblock when he was in India. Right. Oh, there you go. Sunblock SF-1000. <laughs> Action figures. Remember, that's the answer. Yeah. Action figures. And then Duke makes a comment. He says you know, something about surrendering his grandmother. Of course he does. I bet she gets captured frequently also. <laughs> Come to think of it, I haven't seen Grandma in a while. <laughs> Check a Culver holding cell. <laughs> And finally, I'm going to end this with a, a nitpick. When they were escaping on the, the water moxkin at the end, was that Ricondo with a full beard standing next to Rock and Roll? Oh, I did. Did you guys happen to catch that? No. When they were getting on the, the, when they threw Copperhead out and jumped on the water moxkin to take off, yeah, both Rock and Roll and I'm assuming it was Ricondo were standing there, was it at ease? And Ricondo, yeah, it looked like he had a foot. took me a second. Who the hell is that? Oh, I'm I looking at it count. right now. There's so yeah, Duke yeah. throws him over. Yeah. yeah. And there's someone standing there closest to us. Right next dark to... Dark hair with a full yeah. beard. Am I, what is that? Am I doing a head count? It must be Ricondo. I guess someone messed up there somewhere. Without his hat on, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, he had a full... I don't know. Anyways, those are my thoughts on it. Overall, I say... It, it, it wasn't high entertainment. It wasn't what Larry Hahn was doing in the comic. But for what it was, like you guys have said, it's done a good job. It's, it's did its purpose. It made, you know, made you pull those toys out and replay with them or watch your parents go out and buy them for you. And that's what it was there for. So even with the nitpicks, even with you know, some of the things that we're laughing at, it wasn't. This is what, like I said, this is one of the things that led me into the G.I. Joe the comic was the cartoon. So I can't complain too badly about it. Still fun. Yes, very much so. Uh, let's go to Pat. Give me their last thoughts on the cartoon. Um, just that I, I, like you said, I I really enjoyed this one, and it was one of them that I was like, okay, we gotta get, you know, let wait till the end. I can't wait till this is over with. It's, uh, you know, it really had my attention through the whole thing. And let's go ahead and go to Brad. Any other last thoughts on the cartoon? I want to go play with my toys now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes me sad I got rid of all mine. And Jared, do you have any thoughts on this cartoon? No, man, this was I, this was fun. When I saw that Paul Dini, I got excited because I know what a cartoon mastermind he is. But you know, everybody's got to start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as I talked with Buzz, a lot of times it was it was by committee, and one person got their name on the time. So, and then sometimes it was individual people. So. I didn't know he was working in the cartoon business this early, so that was kind of educational. I was like, whoa. Yeah, you did some on here. I think it was some. I looked this up and I forgot to take a note on that. Of course, of course I did. Of course but, uh, you. Yeah, of course did. you did. <laughs> he did some on Transformers. I believe it was. Wow. Yeah, he worked on. Let me see. Number of episodes in the 83, 85 animated series, He Man: The Masters of the Universe. Oh wow. Okay. I 
I um, just I discovered him. I think like most of the world on Batman. He did wrote an episode of Dungeons and Dragons in 1883. Oh. He wrote an episode of Transformers called The Dweller in the Depths, and an episode of 1985's GI Joe cartoon called Jungle Trap. And they also contributed to various episodes of the Star Wars Ewoks animated series. Such um, a good time back then, you know. Oh man! And he also wrote an episode of Gem. Nice. That's so outrageous, that's, man. That's truly, truly, truly. <laughs> <laughs> Hired at Warner Brothers, work on Tiny Tunes. Is that bad really? that we all know that? Yeah. <laughs> that means Probably. we watched no. it. That means we yeah. watched it. I'll have to admit to that. I have season one on my Plexbox server. I don't <laughs> care who knows it. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't watch it every, t- every day, but yeah, I, I watched that one on a regular. It was one of those that you would wait in between two other good shows. You oh, would yeah. watch it through. When I lived in yeah, Germany, man, we, we got one it. channel. Yeah, one channel. So you were you watched Jim or nothing, and so I went all in, man. And then after Tiny Toon Adventures, he worked on a little show called Batman Animated Series. Yes. And then he did some other stuff. He worked on some Crypto and Duck Dodgers. And he went on from there, and no one's ever heard from me. Yeah, yeah. That was Paul. Yeah, I was like, oh, Paul B. That's interesting. I, you know, I forgot to bring this up, but Pat and I have started a rap duo called Jungle Trap. By the way, I can't believe we didn't Word. bring that up, Pat. Yeah. Pat Word. and I are Jungle Trap. Very good. We'll have to get a promo for that. Maybe play some of your songs during the shows and outros or something. I don't know. Yeah. It'll, it, I'm sure it'll be Cold Slither at some point down the road. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's what we're going on tour with them. Yeah. Oh, right on. We're opening up for Cold Slither. Cold Slither. <laughs> Jungle Trap. Jungle Trap. Jungle Trap. <laughs> Opening act for Cold Slither. Very good. I'm looking forward to see you guys on the road. It's a jungle track wrap, y'all. Well, at this point, I'm going to go ahead and we'll take, probably take another promo break real quick. I'll send you guys off for some more Yo Joe Colas. We'll come back with the so uh, I'll do the mailbag and then I'll bring you guys back in for Soldier of the Month. Uh, please hold please on. Let it be me. Please let it be me. Please let it be me. And the Soldier of the Month is everybody but Jerry. Ah. <laughs> hey, I'm a winner. <laughs> <laughs> G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Hello, I'm Pat Sampson, and I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Longbox Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus longboxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. 
Oh, oh, I like comics too. Uh, can I get a comic out of my long box that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that too? Oh, oh, and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond too. I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. We can add some of your comics and enthusiasm to the show. It might help get a deeper introspection of... Did someone say James Bond? I love James Bond, and I love comics, too. I can bring a comic from my lawn box to sync up with you guys. I also love movies and music, even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review. Uh, This is what I get for inviting both the Albrecht brothers into my show. Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... Well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my Longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time! Top 40 music chart toppers! Movies, both good and bad! Maybe even some favorite recipes! Whatever I think is funny! We'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza examining the comics in my longbox and the time period surrounding them. Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's in your longbox? Hey there, everyone. There's your old buddy Head. You know, Aaron Moss, over at the Head Speaks Podcast. I'm still here, and so is my podcast. Starting in November, and for however many months it takes, we're going to put the Adam aside for a little while, and we're going to look at DC Comics Armageddon 2001 crossover. Join me and some other podcasting and internet friends as we take a look at, well, Armageddon 2001 hero today becomes a villain tomorrow. Join us and find out who on the Headcast Network, Armageddon 2001, along with a lot of my usual segments. Come check us out. Available at head.headspeaks.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts at. Come check us out. This is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist, with a quick podcast promo for my show, Comics with Normies. Here's how the show works. Using my yard sailing skills, I acquire a random comic book from a yard sale. I then give said random comic to a normie. A normie being a person who doesn't normally read comic books. Then, on the show, I'll sit down with the normie to discuss the issue, get a real outsider's point of view, and see what some of the comics that we love and maybe not love so much seem like to those normal folks we see walking around on the streets each day. It should be a fun perspective and good for a few laughs. You can check out the Comics with Normies podcast along with some other fun-filled podcasts from White Rocket Entertainment, 
on iTunes and at whiterocket.podbean.com. And feel free to join the show using Twitter handle at Normies Podcast or on Facebook at Comics with Normies. Once again, you can find Comics with Normies on iTunes and at whiterocket.podbean.com. We'll see you there. While the guys are out getting some Yojo Colas, I'm going to bring out Postbox the Pit and read through the, the emails and everything. Uh, there's no emails to read, actually, but there is some Facebook and some Twitters. But before I get to that point, I do want to comment that uh, the guy I've mentioned at work, his name's Aaron also, we were talking the other day and he was saying he was listening to the latest episode, uh, 22, and he was like, so is was Pat talking about issue 21? On this last episode, the Larry Hammond interview one, I'm like yeah, okay, I was wondering, what the heck? He's like, he was, he was told me he was busting up laughing, thought it was hilarious. I relayed that to Pat, but I just wanted to let you guys know that that's some feedback I got, and I'm like, yeah, no, we didn't plan that. We, I came out and Pat threw that out there, we ran with it, and that's how we roll around here. So <laughs> thanks, Pat, for that little bit and for keeping it going. Because uh, again, I know I got feedback from one person thought it was hilarious, so that's a start. Now let's go over to Facebook and look at the Facebook likes and what have yous. So these are people that liked or uh, shared or mostly liked either the videos I've posted on Facebook or the posts about the episode or anything I've posted on Facebook. Let's go ahead and start this. There's Dorn Copeman. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, sir. Uh, Pat Sampson. Hal Jordan. Alex Bunstein, Darren Kohler, our buddy from the G.I. Joe Canada Facebook group, Maxwell Woodrofe, Mike Horksky, Matt Anderson, R. Carson Makakis. I'm probably mispronouncing that name because that's, that's that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that if I'm butchering your name. Uh, Gary James Bledsoe, Van Z, our buddy Jonathan Schaefer-Hames, Shag Williams, Aaron Henley, Jeb, yeah, I can't say this guy's name. I don't think I want to say this guy's name. Jared Albrick, the Yod Cell Artist. Clinton Robinson, Bradford Williams, Gino Ames, Doug Miller, Scott Miller, David A. Pascarella, Marlon Weeby, Chris Gall, Gene Hendricks, Christopher Luke, Scott Calhoun, Brian Keating, Mark, <clears throat> excuse me, Mark Stelly, Jehoa Costa, and I know I butchered that name. Uh, the Beard, the Jim Beard fan page, M. Anthony Gerardo, or as I call him, Mag, my buddy from over at the Unite DC Comics group and several other groups. I did have someone that liked uh, our page, but it's in Arabic or something. I can't quite read it. Milo Pantone, Bobby Nash, Philip Barnes, Robin Rigney, and that's the people from Facebook that, that's liked or, uh, or yeah, liked our, either my posts or videos or whatever I have happened to share there. Um, also, as far as comments, I did post, actually, as I'm recording this last night, I posted a question on the Facebook group about, I'm debating on the, the European missions, G.I. Joe European missions. It was a 13-issue series that I think it reprinted the Action Force books. I asked the people out there, you guys that were, Read the Facebook if you guys want me to cover it. So far, it's been a resounding yes. There's been eight comments. A couple of them may be mine. Uh, yeah, a couple of those are mine. But people that responded to that, Matt Anderson said, I'd definitely like to hear you guys review it. I've never read those issues. 
And I said, thanks for the information and the feedback, Matt. He said, no problem. Really enjoying your guys' show. I think I discovered it around six months ago, and it was really fun to catch up. So I'm glad you found the show, Matt, and I'm glad you liked it and you're listening to it. Uh, Maxwell Woodruff said, that would be cool. Gino Ames said, I'd be interested. You record, I'll listen. Thanks, Gino. Our buddy John Schaefer-Hames, he just said, Action Force! Ken Tomlin said, sure. I've never read those issues, so I'd be interested. This is not really a complaint, but per se, I really wish you guys could find the time to do more than one episode a month or so. I really love your podcast, and I just want more episodes more frequently. I understand that sometimes life gets in the way. Listening to your podcast is always bittersweet for me. All my comic collection was stolen about 10 years back, along with my entire G.I. Joe and Transformers toy collection. So listening to your podcast helps me relive those stories that I loved and grew up with. Anyways, keep up the great work. Yo, Joe. And again, I told Ken on the Facebook page, thank you for the kind words. Also, sorry about your loss. That's definitely a big loss. And I, too, wish I could get more than one episode per month. Um, We're doing the Use European Missions at some point in the future. And again, in a couple of years, we're going to be hitting a lot of crossover books. We've got the year, uh, not the yearbook. We've got the, uh, we'll do the yearbooks at some point. But we got the uh, G.I. Joe Transformers, the Order of Battle, uh, Special Missions. All those are coming up in a couple of years. I'm working on how to do those, either an extra long show for those times or maybe two shows a month for a while. Uh, we'll have to see. I'm still working out the details on that, along with now the European Missions. Our buddy Chris Gall, one of the guys from the uh, K- uh, G.I. Joe Canada Facebook page, he says that I have some of those Action Force books. I love those oversized format, and the covers are fantastic. I, too, Chris, had some of those books, uh, the Action Force ones. I actually picked up a couple somewhere, either a, con- a convention or I forget where it's at now. It's been years ago. Uh, Jorn Koopman, again, sorry for mispronouncing your name. He says, if it's a Joe, it's a go. <laughs> I like that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Also, as far as other comments, uh, I've posted some links on my page for 3djoes.com. He does some posters and books. Uh, Darren posted the links on that on the page. He said he figured it out, and he gave me a link for it. So definitely check that out. The guy that loves Joe as much as we do, and he's done a book and some posters with like 3D pictures of him. It's very cool. And also comments from the Facebook page. Hal Jordan, yes, the Green Lantern himself, listens to our podcast, and he says... So I decided to check it out. Episode 22, the Larry Hama interview. Someone says, I just draw pee-pee and wee-wees on my notes. What did I give myself into? You know what? I ask myself that the same thing every month, Al Jordan, when I, I get Jared on here. I'm like, what, what did I get myself into? But, you know, it, it happens. Earlier in the month, I thank Brad, Pat, and Jared for taking time out to talk with me. And Kevin and Jonathan was there in spirit, as I said. And Darren said... Thanks, fellas. Yo, Joe. And then said, Darren, also supposed to put your spirits. And then Pat said, always happy to talk Joe with me, with you, Aaron. Thanks for having us on. Pat, it's always a pleasure having you on. I will have you on every chance I can get. I enjoy talking to you, man. Uh, also, as I posted, I posted a link for this last month that on the website, gijoe.headspeaks.com, on the right-hand column, I'm going to have a listing, listing the current and previous soldiers of the month. Months? The month. And, uh, again, check that out for every Joe, every Joe that gets the award. And then Darren said, great listen, guys. Thanks for the honor of being the Soldier of the Month. The autographs were from Jim Beard, Bill Nedlo, Nedro, and he couldn't remember the third guy. Also had Larry Hama, Kirk Bozogian, and Dave Kuntz. 
And I went and checked the book. He couldn't, remember, he couldn't remember the third guy's name. And I said it was Justin Bell. So, again, thank you very much, uh, Darren, for that book and all those signatures. That was that's what we're looking for. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Also, last month, I uploaded the episode before I posted on Facebook and everything because I got right in behind. Aaron Henley posted to our page. So I turned on my iPod, and there's a notification about a new episode. What? Also, Duke, not the best intro, buddy. The entire Special Forces team just burned, bur- buried their CEO, who's a two-star general. Show a little respect there, buddy. Considering they've already prevented World War III at least twice, in Lady Zoom's day, and then Operation Wingfield, and held off an entire assault on Cape Canaveral, I'm pretty sure they know how to act like soldiers. Just saying, you could have handled the approach better. Uh, true story. And when I posted for the, uh, the episode last month, episode 22, we had Bradford Williams say he was looking forward to it. Brian Allen said thanks for the shout-out. He loved the issue. And the cover has the impression that Destro was a master manipulator. Manipulator. Ryan Daly said one of the top five favorite issues of the series. Way better than that lazy silent issue. <laughs> and uh, Gord, Tolton, Gord Tolton also says the funeral issue made me want to dress uniform figures. They did gung-ho in the USMC Blues, but that was about it. Yeah, I had that figure at one point. That was, that was a cool figure. I like that. Uh, yeah, they didn't do, a, uh, I don't want to say enough, they didn't do very many figures in dress blues or, or official uniforms like that. So, Also, around the time I was working on this episode, I posted a picture of Cobra Commander with the hood, and I was saying that I love the Cobra Commander much more than the battle helmet version, or whatever you want to call it, the, the, the hooded, uh, the, the metal mask that he wears. And I had some comments on that. Marlon Webley said, the good old days. Bradford Williams said, hood for the win. And I told him, I like the cut of your jib, Bradford. Milo Pentone posted a picture of Cobra Commander with the, the bat, with the mascot, with the actual helmet on, saying Cobra Commander approves. And Chris Gall said he agrees with me. I knew there's a reason I liked you guys. You guys are all smart people. But I think that's going to do it for the uh, Facebooks. Now let's move over to the Twitters. And again, I'm just... I, I don't have a complete set of notes like I normally do. I can take all the names this time. I'm just reading it directly off to Twitter. Uh, we're going to start off with KB Likes Comics, which is Kyle Benning underscore arts. It's buddy Kyle. Uh, used to be one of our hosts on the show. Again, over on Twitter, I made the same comment about, you know, do you guys want to hear the European missions also? Uh, Kyle Benning, KB Likes Comics, says that, said, yep. And there's always UK Action Force series. And he also says he's definitely in for the Transformer crossover issues. Uh, going on, KB Likes Comics also liked our, podca- our podcast, Green Lantern HG. He replied to the uh, question about the European missions, and his comment was just, yes. And he also liked and followed us. Thank you very much, Green Lantern HG. Uh, also, there was a mention from European Joes. European Joes, said he, which is at European Joes. He said, back at work, time to catch up with a lot of emails and my favorite podcasts. And he listed Joe on Joe Pod, ours, G.I. Joe Headcast, G.I. Joe Berg, and The Full Force. And The Full Force responded, said, you're too kind. We feel honored to be mentioned an epic company, Full Force. And I agree. Thank you very much, uh, European Joes. I, I love the shout out and the mention. And people that liked that was Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, Longbox Crusade, Christatos. And Pop Culture Evadated. Uh, Philip Barnes responded to my comment about the European missions. And he said, if you need more content for more shows, then absolutely. <laughs> I don't really need more content at this point, Philip. Because, uh, again, the Joe series is still going. We're up to, he's up to 254, 55 issues. 
So I've got enough actual G.I. Joe comics to last me for the next decade or so. But it's just about, do you guys want to hear that? So, uh, so anyways, thanks for that. Coffee and Comics, uh, he responded. That was our buddy uh, Clinton Robinson. Again, on the, should I do the European missions or not? He says, go for it. Of course he says go for it. He's not the one doing them. <laughs> Thanks, Clinton, for that. I appreciate your feedback on that. Coffee Comics also liked us. Alexander Ozasis, Ion666, G.I. Joburg, James Hibble Homeschooled says, do it. I want to hear more about the, all the G.I. Joe comic books. All of them. Uh, he also liked us. Thanks for the comment there, uh, James Hibbs. Other people that's liked or followed us, there's Dan, Dane Jensen. Wolfgang Van Holland, Giant Chicken Toy Reviews, Rack, Lamar the Revenger, Frederick Rote, Maple Butts, Maple Butts, Tim Waters, Philip J. Reed, G.I. Joe Vintage, Miss Minister Tony Havel, Green Lantern HG, Becky, Professional Humanoid, Thin Chip, Toy Box Legends, Toy Box Old, The Dragon Fortress, The Adventure Team, Cobra Shadow Joes, Alec Plus, DC in the 80s, Joseph Liff, or Life. And last month, after I posted, when I posted the uh, on Twitter about the announcement for G.I. Joe issue, episode 22 was out, Christantos, our buddy Pat, replied, I had a great time talking about that awesome Snake Eyes issue. And then Joseph Ilaf said, is that the one with no dialogue and very few printed words? I love that one. And I responded, Christantos01 seems, seems to think so. It's actually an issue after that. Still waiting for Pat to read it. LOL. Because, again, we have a great time on this show. And then when I posted about the, again, on the same thing about the uh, Issue 22 of the Larry Hama interview, Philip Barnes said that, reply to us, both me and DC in the 80s, do you have to interview Larry Hama? It's amazing. And I gave the credit to Justin over at DC in the 80s. It was amazing. Uh, Philip replied back, well done. That was a tremendous win for you and the fans. Can't wait to hear it. Hope you appreciate it. Was everything you thought it was, Philip? I enjoyed listening to it. And, again, I do want to thank uh, our buddy Justin over at DC in the 80s for getting that for us. Then there was Xenophiles. Uh, they retweeted us. Chris, Coffee and Comics. Uh, again, I may be repeating some of these, but I really appreciate what you guys have done. Uh, DC in the 80s. Our buddy, uh, buddy, our buddy Weasel Skull, Lost in Time. Uh, they liked the tweet where Longbox Crusade promoted us. He, they uh, shared on their page, and they liked it. Captain Marvel retweeted about my uh, episode 22 going out. Gal walks into a comic shop, liked the post. Yeah, on the comic shop, apparently the Schaefer Hames have a feud going with them. Uh, <laughs> we've talked about that. It's funny. Uh, Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Battle Armor Dad. Kyle Benning. He also re- he liked and retweeted us. Thank you very much, Kyle. The Hammer Strikes. Random geeky stuff. That's our buddy Gene Hendricks. Thank you very much, Gene. I appreciate you. Uh, Christophe's reply said, I had a great time talking about that awesome Snake Eyes issue. I talked about that already. Uh, Married with Comics. That's our buddy Jonathan Schaefer Hames and his wife Maggie. A uh, great couple. We have a great podcast. I've also talked to them, or I will be talking to them here over my Head Speaks podcast. Check that out. Like I said, Longbox Crusade retweeted this. They said, give a listen to the new episode of at G.I. Joe Headcast with at Chris Contos and at Yardstyle Artist. Always a fun time with Aaron and his team. And I have fun with you guys too. Joe and Joe Podcast. They liked and retweeted us. Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill followed us. Chris and Reggie, that's a great podcast. I love it. I'm going to have them over on my Head Speaks podcast at some point, hopefully. All New Sucks followed us. Mark Paws with a Z. 
Delvin, the Dark Web slash Felix Leiter, Joe Fan eighty two, Tim Price, three djoes.com. That's the one I talked about on my Facebook page that does those awesome posters and that book. Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze retweeted us. Forgotten Figures followed us. Ooh, Jack and Eddie. Sorry, I picked that from Shag. He's a bad influence on me. Uh, he retweeted us also. Thanks, Luke. And he also liked our post. Scott X followed us. The Married of Comics followed us. Pop Culture of a Data followed me. Very good. I like Pop, Pop Culture of a Data. Great, another great podcast. Definitely check them out. Podcast Partners. Uh, that's a group of us podcasters that get together and talk and share ideas and everything. And I think that's everything. So go ahead and if I miss somebody, please let me know. I apologize. If I missed you, let me know and I'll catch you up next time. But that's going to do it for the Postbox the Pit. That was a lot of names. Uh, and I may have repeated some of them, but again, I really appreciate that you guys do for us. And so here comes the guys back bringing some more Yojo Colas because I keep drinking all mine, giving out fives all the time. Oh. <laughs> Welcome back, gentlemen. Uh, before we end the show, I do want to bring out the Soldier of the Month. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, Jared's been hoping all month it's going to be him. <laughs> so let's bring out the Soldier of the Month. This month, uh, if you guys listened to last month's episode, you noticed at the beginning we had a special presentation, an interview with Larry Hama. Due to that, I'm going to have to award the Soldier of the Month to Justin Francoeur for DC in the 80s for getting me that Larry Hama interview. Yeah, horse shit. <laughs> I thought it was me. I thought it was me. Congratulations, <laughs> Justin. Guys. Congratulations. Yeah. Blow up your pants. <laughs> <laughs> but Justin Francoeur, thank you very much for that interview. It was fantastic. I enjoyed it. It was like a 10, 12-minute interview. And I, I haven't heard from Larry, so I guess I, I told Justin to let him know that if he wanted to, he could adopt me, and I could be I could change my name last name to Hama. I don't care, but Larry hasn't contacted me about that, so I think he's turning <laughs> me down. So looks like I'm not getting a new daddy. Well, so a restraining order is contact. <laughs> I guess so. So uh, let me rephrase that. I have been contacted by Larry Holmes' attorneys. Uh, <laughs> you did. You did get a signature on something. Yeah, that's right. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. In fact, I've got to stay with uh, with with with. I can't be in like two states from him. So <laughs> there goes that. <laughs> but no, thank you very much, Justin, for, for doing that. To our soldier of the month. Us here at the G.I. Joe, a Royal American Ed cast team, we salute you. Yes! And uh, unless you guys have any other thoughts or comments on either the issue or the episode we talked about today, I'll go through round robin real quick. Uh, Brad, any other fi- final thoughts on anything we talked about today? Um, this is a very, at least with the comic, it's a very exciting time to be reading the comic. Things get yeah. really, really cool from here on in, so... Um, yeah, looking forward to that. And Pat, give me your final thoughts. I'm just going to second what Brad said. Uh, definitely really looking forward to these upcoming issues. It's a great time to be a Joe reader. <laughs> yes. And Jared. Jungle Trap is back. I come to smack, <laughs> smack you back. Yay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh and on that note let's go ahead and wrap things up here um brad if someone wants to hear more about you on the internet or anywhere else where they can they find they can, English, where they, they find more about you 
they, they can they can find more about me and my creatively titled website bradabraham.com and jared if people want to make the mistake that i did and listen to your podcast or, or follow along where can they <laughs> hear more about you at you can check me out on Twitter, Yard Sale Artist, Facebook, Yard Sale Artist, Instagram, Yard Sale Artist, AOL, uh, Yard Sale Artist, MySpace, Yard Sale Artist. These old timey technology jokes doing anything for you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing over here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check me out uh, on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Uh, Pat's on a show that we do called MI6 Rookie Agents, which is actually under its own feed now on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. So just go search on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast if you want to hear me, Pat, and a couple other guys I know, Delvin and Jason, talking about James Bond. I'm on a few other podcasts, but I will let Pat take that. And please, by all means, go to theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com and check out my published comic books and book covers. Oh, sure. We blink that all out. Aha! <laughs> hey, that Hamilton versus Burr promo, man. Let's do this. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr. If you're a history lover or a musical lover, you probably know about both Hamilton and Burr's rise to power in the early stages of American history and their infamous duel. But what if you didn't know the full story? What if one of them was a werewolf? White Rocket Entertainment proudly presents a 48-page full-color comic book, Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Written by Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Art by Nate Niles. Colors by Ace Wheely and Ken Solomon. Letters by Percival Constantine. And edited by Johanna Albrecht. Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Available digitally on Kindle and Comics Central. C-O-M-I-X Central. Prefer a print copy? Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, along with my other published works, are available at theyardsaleartist.big cartel.com that's the yard sale artist.bigcartel.com or you can buy it directly from me creator jared albrecht the yard sale artist at any of my comic con appearances hamilton versus burr a werewolf tale get your copy today you won't regret it don't take my word for it here's what ming chen from amc's tv series comic book men had to say about it i really enjoyed it a lot of great werewolf scenes in here a lot of great uh, this is how i wish history would be told to kids <laughs> <laughs> looks like a- a hamilton versus Burr a werewolf tale that's Hamilton versus Burr a werewolf tale play that new uh, jungle music that we just yeah jungle trap jungle trap music that we just have listen to jungle trap yeah. we just dropped like the new we just dropped the new single I like how Pat bought for about three seconds there that I had a MySpace page <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's making a comeback. <laughs> That's open. He's still got one. <laughs> I never opened one, so I'm like, oh, maybe I should do MySpace. You know, <laughs> it's probably that sounds like a lot of cool people are out there. Uh, yeah, I was on MySpace, and my buddy finally talked to me to move over to Facebook. Anyways, speaking of Pat, Pat's, where can people hear more about you? Well, you can find me on MySpace at Pat. <laughs> at <laughs> Jungle Trap. Jungle Trap. Yeah. We're, we're, we're release all our new singles out on MySpace. Um, no, you really you can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Uh, otherwise, you can also find us on Twitter at Longbox Crusade as well. There and on Facebook. Uh, like Jared said, on on that we do several, about three different shows. Uh, from that feed is you'll find the Longbox Crusade, uh, where we'll do a monthly podcast of 
us for uh, just kind of going through uh, an issue out of a random issue out of the long box, along with some nostalgia from the music and news and um, uh, movies. movies from that time. Yep. <laughs> I remember Thank the show. Thank you, Jared. Yeah, Jared remembers that show. Uh, otherwise, we've got Crusader Chronicles as well, too, where we're actually going through the collection from uh, a point in time to all the way to the end, if we can. Um, and that is a eh, pretty much probably going to be a bi-monthly, or not a uh, that's probably going to be a, a bi-weekly show at that time. Two weeks, every two weeks. <laughs> every two weeks. <laughs> Whatever the right word for that is. I don't know either, Pat. <laughs> Uh, where we have a good time on there as well, too. And then we also are doing Saturday Matinee Theater, where we are looking currently through the 1954 Sherlock Holmes TV series. And we're having a great time uh, going through that as well, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been listening to that, and as I said on Twitter, I finally started watching the actual episodes with you guys. (laughs) They're fun, man. They're fun. (laughs) They are. They're enjoyable. And I guess that leaves me, as usual, you can find me here on the HeadCast Network. I've got my HeadSpeak show, where I'm currently talking about the Armageddon 2001 crossover from DC Comics. After that, I'll probably go back to covering the Power of the Atom series, again, from DC. Um, You can find me here on G.I. Joe, a real American HeadCast, where I'm joined by these guys and whoever else I can get on here with me. I've got my Task Force X podcast, where I talk about the Suicide Squad and Checkmate. They're early incarnations from the late 80s, early 90s. I'm currently working on the Genesis Directive at this point. I know Pat covered the first issue of that in the Checkmate, Checkmate 15 oh, yeah. on yeah. one of his episodes here. That was a good one. Yeah, we had a fun time with you on that one. I'm actually in the middle of that storyline now, finally. Uh, and then I, my final show is the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, where I look at the Will Peyton Starman and the Mark Shaw Manhunter, again, both from the late 80s, early 90s. That seems to be my era that I enjoy. And again, they're all monthly shows, so I do one, again, quotes once per week. Uh, if I don't get delayed on them, <laughs> do the life and family and the family. But uh, that's another story entirely. But I guess, unless anyone else has any thoughts or comments or concerns, uh, that'll do it for this episode. You can join us again here next month when we talk about episode number 24 and episode 11 of the cartoon. But until next time, remember, knowing is half the battle. Yo, Yo, Joe. Jungle Trap out. (laughs) Is your mom there? No, I'm home alone. Well, you won a prize. What's your address? Uh, 42 Oak Street. Hey, Roblox, some stranger's bringing me a prize. A stranger, huh? All he wanted to bring you was trouble. Remember, never tell anyone you're home alone and never give anyone your address. I'll say mom can't come to the phone. Smart thinking. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! No prison can hold Cobra! Is there a prison big enough, strong enough to hold the Cobra Commander? He's the enemy. He's escaping! He's the enemy of G.I. Joe! Our new team is ready, Commander. No, Destro, not quite. What does Cobra Commander mean? Find out in the further adventures of G.I. Joe from Marvel Comics. G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, is available monthly on iTunes, Stitcher, and at headspeaks.com. 
All characters and stories are owned and trademarked by their respective owners. We claim no ownership other than our opinions. All audio and images are used for entertainment purposes and falls under fair use. We make no money from this headcast. For more of the monthly G.I. Joe, check out the IDW series. For the stories we're covering, look for the comics and trade paperbacks. Let us know what you think. Send us an email letting us know your thoughts. Joe's dismissed. Yo, Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what happened last time? Yeah, recorded like a minute or two and then it just didn't... Hmm. It's just, it's the day? ...or something. What the hell? Luckily, I, luckily... I usually day. record too, but I am on a different um, laptop tonight, so okay. that, that statement means... I, I wonder if that'll... I wonder if that'll make me the Joe was Soldier of the Month. I was hoping it was going to be me since I sent him a free copy of Hamilton vs. Burr, Werewolf <laughs> Tale. Oh. Well, see, that's what makes you say you're not, because I had to read that. No, uh, Hurtful. <laughs> oh, I got the jokes tonight. Let me see. 23. Yeah, Jungle oh, Ranch. I'm joking. I enjoyed that. <laughs> it's tough. You're right, Jared. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I'm watching the cartoon right now, so sorry. <laughs> I got a little I behind prom- on my I, homework. I promised him that Copperhead would have an interesting voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you are not wrong. <laughs> just us tonight, or? Intimate. Intimate? Yeah, yeah just us tonight. Kevin we got, got rid of that son of a bitch, Jonathan Schaefer Hang. Or something, and... <laughs> I'm keeping him in back in case you piss me off. <laughs> oh, he's still, he's on standby. Oh, it's okay. Don't think I've got him on one of my lists not replaceable too. there, Richard Yardell Jar guy. Welcome back to GI Joe, a real American hero. I think it's called Headcast. Episode. Awesome. Try that again. I'm reading off my screen. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We wanted screw ups. We could have invited. I was reading the comic title. I'm <laughs> cool. <laughs> 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 we could have, but you know. <laughs> Let's try that again <clears throat> from the top. <laughs> but first up, before we get any of that, let me introduce the Joes that are on deck this month. First up, we have. Let's mix it up a little bit. We have. Jared Albright. Uh, the yard sale the yard artist. Sale I'm trying to build a brand here. Oh, man. Look at my file card. It's right there on the file card, man. <laughs> uh, and uh, his code name is. <laughs> Death Probe. We're off to a rousing start. I, I don't think that's his nickname. I don't think it's Death Probe. Damn, I can't speak tonight. <laughs> Brad's trying to stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> You are correct. I'm Do it live. Up all over the Although place it does make sense. That does make sense, though. I might okay. start using that one. Start that <laughs> Jared, the goddamn yard sale artist. <laughs> Let's try this again. I'll keep all that. I guess. And I will introduce Jared. <laughs> Jared. Yeah, we can. I can disconnect you now. <laughs> Yeah, Jonathan will be like, I've, I've been to Luca before. You should stay on the second floor. <laughs> yeah, we'll all laugh heartily. Okay, I didn't realize that. Paul Denny was in Jane's Silent Bob Strikes Back. 
when they went looking for costumes. Oh, yeah, yeah okay, director, I guess. Chris Rock, mm. Paul Denny's one that said, uh, you guys look pretty badass. Huh. Yeah, I got the Paul Denny Wikipedia page open to caught my eye on it. Oh, okay. Anyways, back, back to G.I. Joe. Stay sexy, Brad. Stay sexy. 